Welcome to Us Only Younger. In this episode, I complete my conversation with Nigel Thurlow. Enjoy part three of our discussion. I have to be a bit harsh here because, you know, there's a lot of conversations and threads of chat I get onto on various social media platforms, LinkedIn especially. And uh, we've got to at least talk about the entitlement generation, which will aggravate a bunch of people. And we've also got, yeah, I know, I see you big eyes now. (laughs) The audio listeners will never know the expressions you make. Yeah, time is running out, Nigel. Please speed up. But... The other thing is this, I don't quote Simon Sinek very often because, you know, he's a good showman, but, you know, substance and, and that aside, but he calls it the like generation. Mm. So we're all used to, you know, you post a, a funny picture of a cat or something else bizarre or stupid or something that nobody would really care about in normal life. Mm-hmm. And, and people start liking it and mm-hmm. resharing it. Even when I post something on LinkedIn, you know, it gets 20,000, 30,000 views on average. You know, that's gratifying and people reshare it because they find it useful. But the, the challenge is you've got this thing where people can do almost nothing, this whole generation of YouTubers, where they can in, babble on about inane, nonsensical topics and get half a million views. <laughs> and make a few coins out of it, Google ads and and whatever else. And so this expectation that it's easy come. And we're in this world now where things are much more accessible and easy, not just online and social media, but acquiring possessions and the sort of trinkets of of Western life or of privileged life tend to be a little bit easier than they used to be, certainly from my childhood, even though I know they appreciate this, a lot of people still have challenging lives even now but things tend to be a little bit easier than it used to be and there's expectation that things come really easy Mm. well as my story i hope in parts you know that's i condensed 40 plus years of life into Mm -hmm. 40 minutes of conversation and there's a whole bunch more in could be unpacked that would take us 40 hours to unpack which nobody would want to listen to maybe another book later on but so the thing is this that they all expect to go out and do you know a two-day class and answer 35 questions get 65 percent right and get a certificate and now they're qualified to go and be organizational design experts Mm. i got news for you you're not and and no matter how many of these PDF certificates you develop and take and how much money you blow on them, it does not make you an expert. And I'm sorry to say that a lot of people teaching some of these courses themselves are not experts and have not even done the work themselves. Mm-hmm. I was told today, and I won't mention the person's name, but there's a very well-known, very well-cited professor mm-hmm. who's now charging $100,000 a day for giving advice, yet that professor has never done a day's work in their life in the organizations and industries we have. They've just written academically about theories and things of that nature. And that's a problem. That's Mm. a real problem because knowledge doesn't equal experience and funnily enough, experience doesn't equal knowledge. Um, So you're in this sort of, you know, this sort of ultimate sort of, you know, uh, situation. So the first thing is that people really need to study. They really mm-hmm. need to learn this stuff. Mm-hmm. They need to learn the, the ins and outs of the topics. And I was in Hungary recently teaching a lot of postgrad students. And let me tell you, they're not interested in 
learning academically anymore they want to just experience they want all this experiential learning well there's a limit to that mm -hmm. point when you do need to learn the theories behind this so you understand how to apply right. and you understand actually when you are applying and when you're learning through experiential you know through experience through doing that you're actually understanding why what you're observing is actually happening. You need mm -hmm. a, a, a fundamental grounding in both. You can't just be all experiential and the school of hard knocks, which is the route Nigel took, because trust me, it's a lot harder route and most of you will fail. You don't all have to have master's degrees and PhDs, but you do need to have some fundamental understanding of the subject matter and the topics. And I've had to go back to the man, go back to the academia and learn in later years. And that's painful, it's hard. But also you do need the experience, just mm -hmm. being academically brilliant, being a PhD, boffin from lots of, well, let's say you get a master's degree, an MBA, you've got this bit of paper that tells you you've learned all these topics, but you've never applied it. Right. And so you've got to be prepared to work in industry, observe, get yourself close to the things that you're interested in and observe and gain that experience along with that academic knowledge. The challenge a lot of people are having now is you've got more mature people that have been doing career A and they now want to switch to career B. It's a real hard challenge and there's no, you know, it's like people come to me all the time and say, I want to be a scrum master. I get people calling me all the time now and saying, they say I need at least five years experience. So one of the pieces of advice I give them is look at all the work you've been doing and how does that relate to the role that you're applying for? Mm -hmm. Maybe you are punching way out of your comfort zone and you don't have the knowledge and experience to cut it there because now the interviews are less about the 353, the basic sort of, you know, events, artifacts and sort of uh, what they call now the accountabilities in Scrum, the roles in Scrum. It's less about that now, about how do you solve problems in organizations? How do you coach people effectively? How do you build effective teams? How mm -hmm. do you solve multi-team system problems? Mm -hmm. So look back into your resume and your previous experience and see, do you have any of that? Mm -hmm. Working closely to, with Ponch, he's spending a lot of time helping vets, you know, mm -hmm. veterans, look at their experience of building high-performance teams and coaching and, and solving really challenging problems in the field and how those skills relate to the business and sort of polishing those skills a little bit to get them a resume that would attract an employer. It's not right. easy, trust me, it's still not, very, not easy at all. Okay. So you've got to make sure that your resume has the experiences that would be relevant for the role or you've got to accept that maybe that role isn't for you or if you're already working in an organization, find how you can get closer to the work that appeals to you within that organization. Start to pick up the buzzwords, the phrases, what they mean, expose yourself to that, learn what it's meaning, mm -hmm. uh, get involved and engrossed. And then actually your resume starts to build itself because you're gaining that experience. Do the training for sure. But don't think doing a couple of days training course and answering a silly test is going to qualify you to go reorganize a 50,000 person global corporation because they'll just laugh at you which is what's tended to be happening because everybody's done this mass adoption of scrum and scrum-like things safe has been the worst example of the brain that made a ton of money training people mm -hmm. giving them all these bits of certification and then these companies have adopted safe as their you know transformational approach and which is a bad word anyway but you know transformational approach and they've hired all these people with bits of paper who are clueless not being horrible to never have done it and they they don't understand the intricacies and the challenges 
mm-hmm. of solving human complex problems in these giant organizations and they're out of the debt things and this is why a lot of the industry is now turning around and saying hey agile doesn't work we don't we aren't actually dealing with the right challenges and the right problems we're just going in there making everybody great at methodologies whoopie do so we're now experts at methodologies so this company that sells food for a business are now fantastic at methodologies but no better at selling food as a business that tends to be where some of the challenges are going so back to your question about advising people getting the course if it's something you're passionate about and are really keen on doing or inspired by but don't be inspired about being a scrum expert agile expert that's the wrong thing to be doing they are topics that may be useful and valuable in the right contextual situation what you need to do is to arm yourself with a wide and varied toolkit dave snowden calls this sort of a what we used to call it a sort of a expert generalist so you know a a jack of all trades a master of none we don't mean that but what we mean is somebody who's got a range of experiences and expertise they've got this generalist expertise and knowledge but they are expert at those things that they generalize in so rather Mm -hmm. than a single threaded expert what organizations need is a more holistic person with this range of knowledge and experiences and so scrum and agile concepts are just like lean concepts or other types of business or industry type concepts are valuable but it's about having this wide range of experiences this wide range of of knowledge by applying yourself to acquire the knowledge finding ways to expose yourself to the experience and not expecting an easy ride and that's back to that like generation you know the Mm. entitlement generation yeah seen some notes about how aggravated and annoyed the younger generation probably just on the boundaries of a boomer i was born in the 60s so they probably call me a boomer and those that were born in around the millennium are the millennials my son's a millennial he's 22 you know but there's this expectation that they you know they're clever people i mean some of these kids are really really clever these younger generation are really really clever they think that then gives them the right to demand promotion and high pay packets six to 12 months in right without doing the work slog Mm -hmm. that puts out for 20 years even to make manager but the point is there's this expectation Mm -hmm. they suddenly get promoted and rewarded beyond their age and beyond their experience yes they're deeply clever they've got a lot of knowledge but they're limited their experience is woefully inadequate they haven't had the time Mm -hmm. i can tell you there's no way i could be advising a company how to restructure their organization and how to deal with some of the complex challenges they now face and even now i have to go and scratch my head dig deep into my background so i'm not besmirching or knocking them but even at toyota we had the challenges where people had only been in roles for a short period of time and there's great resignation that everybody talks about this for me in my way there's two elements of that Mm -hmm. there's pandemic came and everybody got laid off or company stopped paying you the bad company stopped paying you pretty quick my daughter was impacted by this she worked for mickey mouse down in orlando so the house of mouse fired everybody and even sir richard branson who said employees first before the customers fired all the employees when mm. the game as your another irony for you and so all these people went oh what are we going to do they can't take government handouts forever and they didn't last as long as in some states in the us and in, in europe not so much so mm-hmm. they off, off they went and found alternative occupations as my daughter did that actually is less stressful and pays more mm-hmm. and she feels greater 
coolness of working for the House of Mouse, but better job with better pay and less stress, and she works normal hours and, and all that sort of stuff. And so when Disney picked up the phone and called her up and said, hey, we want you to come back, she told them where to go, stick it. And so she's a millennial, you know, she's yeah. in her mid-20s. And so from that point of view, there's that, I think, has happened quite significantly. The other thing is, of course, there is a, a skill shortage in certain key trades, artificial intelligence, machine learning. And actually, I'd probably recommend people start to look at things to do with big data and machine learning and AI and all these autonomous technologies in the digital market rather than Scrum Master or Agile Coach because they're much more about people and teams where these technologies that are heavily in demand now. So what's happening is companies are poaching continuously. You've got the millennials that are a bit disenchanted that they're not getting rapidly promoted and rapidly pay raised and bonused and everything. And these other companies are offering them quick ways to move sideways. And so what we used to do used to be two to three years in my age group. Every two or three years, you'd apply for another job in another company because you get rapidly promoted up because you'd always move for a higher grade or a higher pay packet. And that's right. how we went up the career ladder. It's just happening a lot faster now the changing technology, the pace things are moving out, the qualifications some of the millennials are having now are enabling them to move sideways much more rapidly. And so we see this, and you couple that with the effects of the pandemic, some of the other geopolitical changes and external events, and it's suddenly a great resignation. Wow. That was a lot more than I was expecting on that question, actually. I don't know if I answered the question, but I got a few things on my chest. No, you sure did. No, I, I think that's good. Um, you know, the funny thing for me is I go and I see my hairdresser every few months and I sat in the chair and she told me last time that she was studying AWS. And then she said, do you know what that is? And I was like, you mean Amazon Web Services? Do I know what that is? And I just was stunned because she's like, yeah, you know, we, you know, I have skills and stuff. And I just thought, you know, we'd never talked technology for her to tell me I'm working on AWS. And you know something, that's, blew me that's away. what people need to do. Mm -hmm. Now, there's, there's a challenge with that. I mean, you talk about your hairdresser. Let's say this mm -hmm. person's been a hairdresser all their career. They trained out of school as a hairdresser. They've been a hairdresser, brilliant hairdresser. Right. Now they want to get into the technology space. Mm -hmm. It's like me saying I want to become a surgeon. And so journey is not, I could read a few textbooks. It's like, I mean, there's the old adage about, you know, I learned to fly reading a book, but I've never been in a plane. plane. Yeah. And I can use Microsoft Flight Simulator, can I have a job as a pilot flying mm. 737s or something, you know? No, I don't think that's going to happen. And so, and I've had these career shift chat conversations with people over the years, and I've been lucky to sort of, sort of shift careers, but it's always been in corporate life and the technology mm -hmm. space, it's pretty similar. Mm -hmm. But if she wants to, or he wants to move from being a hairdresser and they're studying AWS, and I think Amazon and Google and also falling foul and there's, you know, these Udemy and all these other sites now where you can go and you can take these micro learning courses and get a certificate. Right. So your hairdresser, assuming they're brilliantly capable, can go and study uh, mm -hmm. online for a few hours and at the end of it get a certificate that says they're now an aws xyz whatever right. it happens to be i use aws all the time on some of my sites i know very little about it i fumble around and i rely on experts to help me out i never bothered to become adept with aws because i have too many other things to do like create powerpoint slides and so the danger is you're gonna get all these people who on paper have all these qualifications the challenge for your friend, unless she's he or she or you know, the hairdresser is doing it for more of a hobby or more just self-improvement and education, which is 
Again, fine. I mean, all that mm -hmm. is obviously fine. We all do different things, play instruments, learn languages, play sports, whatever it is to improve. I just create PowerPoint slides 24 hours a day. But she can end up with a, a whole bunch of AWS accreditations, which on paper says he or she is an AWS engineer. They have no experience. Exactly. And then they're going to put on the resume and they're going to go, I worked for L'Oreal or whatever for blah, 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 blah years. And now I'm an AWS architect. What do you think is going to happen? It's going to be hard because they're and, not going to have real world experience. And that's what's happening with a lot of people going for Scrum Master roles. They see it as a, a popular right. role. They go take the CSMs, the PSMs, mm -hmm. the all these other certificates, safety, all the, there's more safe certifications that you can shake a stick at. And last time I counted, in the Agile industry, there's over 147 certifications you can now get in Agile from one organization or another. So you can go get all this paper and then, you know, they go fumble with the resumes. And here's a tip for you. If you're going to change your resume, make sure your LinkedIn profile matches it. I think recruiters look at just a thing. Dates, job descriptions, titles and things. You know, Little things. Just, a, just a thing. If they don't match, it's, it's a surefire giveaway. Right. If they go from being a BA or, a, I don't know, something or other, and suddenly to becoming an agile coach overnight mm. because mm. they've got a bunch of paper. And then they go in and say, you know, they apply for jobs which involve organizational change and significant change management, which is where you're affecting people's jobs and roles and functions and organizational design and how we deliver value. And they come and preach mindset to everybody, telling them, we just need the new, just need the agile mindset. And they wonder why it doesn't work. Yeah. And so, again, you've got to educate yourself. You've got to find a way of gaining the relevant experience in the career you're in now, the company you're in now, or you're going to have to accept you're going to have to go into an entry-level position. And for many people who are more mature, that's become it's prohibitive because they've got to pay the bills. They've got, you know, right. family, children, commitments, mm -hmm. and that's not possible. For me, it was a natural transition from project management because, hey, in the early days, Scrum was called Scrum Project Management. Exactly. Yeah, so it was sort of a, a natural transition. And I'd started off in technology, so I was very fortunate. I'd gone through the sort of – I was in the very early days of computing. I was one of the, the first folks who were really involved in it as a career. And mm -hmm. so it was a natural progression, and I'd had a strong sort of hobbyist education in electronics and then got professionally trained and qualified so it was a natural transition but my advice to those that don't have this opportunity at the entry-level positions or aren't already in organizations working in this is probably to consider some of the other spaces that are available which they can get the the training in and the education in but again if you're coming into a complete new career change from brand new yesterday i was a farmer and today i'm now an agile coach you're going to have to get a bit. It's like me going into farming. If I decide to be a farmer tomorrow, trust me, I'm just going to buy a tractor and rent a field, and now I'm a farmer. As if anybody's been watching Jeremy Clarkson, you know, the old some say, top gear guy. I mean, he's to go watch his show, and it's the same thing, you know. Okay. If I want to okay. be a doctor or a nurse tomorrow, and so I'm just trying to manage expectation here. And I can see a lot of damage that's being done in the agile community or mm -hmm. in the application of agile tools and techniques, practices, theories, methods, etc. approaches in organizations have run aground and come and drift because right. they all preach this mindset and this autonomous, you know, self-organizing, self-directed stuff, no managers. 
And then what happens? The people who are advising and coaching them haven't got the skills that they were, were needed. And all this stuff's coming adrift and coming apart. And this is why, you know, Zach always said to me, you know, I've always seen this stuff work, Nigel, in small startup companies, but it never seems to work at scale. Well, guess what? Because the people coaching it have never, ever done it at scale and don't know how to solve large scale organizational problems, which is why, I guess, long way around of saying is why we created the flow system. Mm -hmm. It's a system of learning and understanding. It's not a methodology. It's not a framework. We've got too many of that nonsense out there. Yeah. This is a way for you to understand the things that might be useful and helpful to you in trying to secure some of those things you want to secure in the future. Pam, this has been terrible for me because I've <laughs> droned on, but I hope that this has been marginally interesting. This is not typical. I'm saying this is not the typical discussion or interview I normally do with anybody. No. Um, but it's been a bit of fun. Trying to figure out how am I going to split this up? How am I going to tease it to say, you really want to know what's going on with the great resignation? Check into part C. You know? <laughs> so. I mean, other people have different ideas, but I think there's too much clickbait and too much news headline out there. And I think there's too much making of this, that, and the other. You know, we had a massive commercial and emotional and, and mentally distressful for many, many people disruption over the last 18 months. Yep. Uh, politics were out of control. Public opinions mm -hmm. out of control. Different side Agreed. of the arguments out of control. A lot of people have lost, not just financially, they've lost dearly loved people. You know, there's been so much devastation. Yep. And people would just generally, they'd had enough. And people yeah. are rethinking their lives. Even I'm rethinking what my future holds because do we really want to work 40, 50, 60 hours a week for somebody who treats us like crap? Just hard work. Really? Do we really want to do that? And so people have readjusted and they've had to adjust and they've had to take different decisions in their career, which has led to a loss of a lot of people who were put on the bench for a period of yep. time, often without pay and benefits. And then on top of that, there's now a huge demand for certain skills. So people are very portable and very motivated to move because the incentives to move typically fiscal. And as I mentioned, if I go all the way back to the beginning of this, when I was a young kid, I went to chop up animals because I thought it paid better than being than working in this cool job in a recording studio. Oh, regret that so much. Anyway, <laughs> I'll die regretting that, I'm telling you. But the point is this, that that's that I think it's more those sorts of factors. People are looking for this great meaning behind it and because it yeah. makes great news headlines. I just remind people, you know, yesterday's news is easily forgotten. And I would, what did somebody said to me? You know, the great public have a memory of a Labrador. We used to say a goldfish back in my day, but you know, people's memories are short term. What is this great crisis and great whatever today is forgotten in six months from now? Can somebody That's tell true. me before the pandemic what was the big crisis we were? going through because i can guarantee there was one and that's the challenge is there's always some challenge to face and there's always people trying to make sense of it and give a reason for it i often think and i'll finish with this i made a statement the other day dave snowden hasn't yet agreed with me yet he's sort of <laughs> challenging me on it which of course he will this only be expected but i said that all complexity in organizations i was very specific about that all complexity in organizations is human derived we create our own complexity. Right. I challenge people, if you look at a problem you think is complex, remove the people. 
And if the people, when the people are removed, is the problem still complex? And if the answer is yes, it's truly a complex problem. If the answer is no, it's just now a complicated problem. Right. Then the human element or the human factors is the bit we need to solve. Mm. The challenge for the agile and the management consulting and the organizational design, the OD industry, is that none of the methodologies, tools or frameworks out there actually solve organizational design, human factors, problems. Right. And that's one of the things, at least we are doing something to try and address with the team science aspects of the work that I'm gratefully involved in. Pam, That's let's awesome. wrap this up. All right. Thank you so much, Nigel. Thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. And we'll probably still have a part two, but that's going to be pretty amazing. So thanks again for everything. I'm grateful. You're welcome. Thank you.